Raise your Bibles. This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. We are convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Amen. So we're talking about blueprint. God's plan for your home. God's got a plan for your home. And we, uh, last week we talked about communication. We're again going to be looking at the second part of communication today. And we're going to be talking about the great translator. In your communication within your family, if you are not relying on the great translator, you are going to have some incredible train wrecks. And those train wrecks could, if they're bad enough, derail your whole family. And remember, why is it that Satan wants to destroy at the heart of the family? Because it is the most powerful witness that the world has. It is where God's love can truly be the greatest to shine out. And so Satan focuses there, and if he can thwart what is happening in your home, you will not be able to be a witness anywhere. If Satan can get us off track in our marriages, with our relationships, with brothers and sisters and in-laws and all that, our witness becomes skewed. It becomes dark. It becomes to where the light isn't shining as it ought to. I don't know if you have one of those cars where uh, you have to, from time to time, polish your headlights. I recently picked up an older a Buick, uh, it's 25 years old, I love it. I, and you know, I was, I was sitting there driving it the other night, and the reason, one of the reasons I love it is because, you know, the headlights are actually glass, and they don't need to be polished. And I went, wow, this is wonderful. But you know, sometimes we are like that, our, our, our light gets skewed, and we need Jesus to come and clean our lights off so that we can shine for him, so that we aren't skewed by all the muck and the mire that gets on us. Amen? Amen. So this morning we are going to be looking at a passage of Scripture found in the Gospel of John. And as we read this passage of Scripture, I'm sure you're going to immediately say, what in the world would he pick this Scripture to talk about communication in the family and God's plan, but you're going to find out as we go along. Let's look at it, John 16, starting at verse number 13 and going through verse number 15. But when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. There is no one greater 
to help you in your communication than the Holy Spirit. No one. And yet I challenge us, especially as Spirit-filled or Pentecostals, that many times we lay the Spirit of God aside and we say, well, I can do this. Well, well, I know what the tools are. And we lose the fact that God has placed His indwelling Spirit in us. And if we will listen, you have the most powerful communicator of all who lives in you. If you need help getting a message across, He is your greatest hope. And if you won't turn to him, you will surely fail. You know, we just came from uh, Italy and Austria, and we had translators because we don't speak those languages. You know, you pick up here and there a little bit, but you, you can't get your point across. If you went into a restaurant to order and you don't speak the language, who knows what you're going to get and whether it's going to be edible. But we had friends who went with us who translated. And, and in America, in the United States, we usually speak English. I mean, very few of us pick up a second language that we're really fluent at and we could translate into. But we went with Robbie and Anna, who speak multiple languages. And at a couple of points, they were translating Italian into Portuguese into English. Uh, we went One time we drove from Lake Garda, we had instructions that were translated from Italian from Italian into Portuguese and then she wrote in English and when we got the instructions we went what <laughs> where are it, we going it was really something to watch because Jill was driving that's another thing that happened we got there and because <laughs> I didn't have a particular piece of idea ID she had to drive and I had to navigate and I'm having to read this, and I'm thinking, I haven't got a clue what this is saying. <laughs> but if you've never had to work through a translator, it, it, there is a, a need for that. And you have to kind of wait. You say something, and then the translator translates it, and you wait for the response. So, as we look at talking about the great translator... There are three specific things that we are going to talk about that the Holy Spirit will help you with that will incredibly empower your communication and cause the witness of your light to be bright as it can be. The first one is the fact that God has created us with differences. Now, we look at this and we laugh, but think about it. God states in His Word, we've gone over it, and so I won't spend a lot of time, because we went to Genesis and we talked about the Scripture where Jesus said, a man will leave his home and his and mother, uh, and, I'm sorry, uh, the mother and father's home, and the two will become one. But if you look at the DNA, the, the fingerprint of God on every human being, if you've seen my son and many of you uh, just recently saw him and you say, I cannot believe how much he looks like you. In fact, I just talked to someone 
that had never met him before, and he said, when I met him, I immediately said, this is Brian's son. And, uh, but as, here's the unique thing. As close and as wonderful as that is, even, even if it's in your own DNA, every person has its own fingerprint from God. It means there are things unique and different to that person. Spencer is not Brian, and Brian is not Spencer. There are differences that God has created, and we can either celebrate them and believe the Word of God when he says, I will bring the the husband and wife together, and the two will be one, or we can fight all of our life and have our witness skewed. Dear Diary, tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. He made pla- we made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner, and I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset about the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong, and he said, Nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. I'm not upset. It has nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. And when we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent, and finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep, and I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. Dear diary, my motorcycle won't start. I can't figure out why. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) This little fun role play that Jill and I have done unfortunately happens time after time after time because we really don't get the fact that God has, in fact, created us different, but those differences, when they are brought to the Lord and in Him, can come together to be one. Now, the Bible says this is a mystery, (laughs) but it also says I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, think about this. I just want you to ponder it. If you think that trying to get along and agree and become one with your spouse is hard, think about what it's like for Christ to be one with the church. We can't even do it with one person whom we love or are supposed to love. Yet the Bible very clearly draws the analogy. 
How is that possible? I submit to you, without the Holy Spirit of God, it is not possible. But with Him, with God, the Scripture says in Luke chapter 137, all things are possible. It is possible for your family to be one. It is possible possible for there to be a unity among your family not just husband and wife brother and sister in-laws how the holy spirit and when we rely on him it will be good those differences can make us stronger but when we desert them it can be very difficult there is no doubt about the fact that God has created the differences in the brains between a man and a woman. And it, you don't even have to be married to understand that. <laughs> you just know if you see the interaction of men and women that we think differently. Now, obviously, God created that for a purpose. But there's just a fun little clip I want you to watch before we continue talking about whether we will come together as the Holy, with the Holy Spirit or whether we will continue to divide one another apart. Watch this. We're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. It's like... It's like the internet superhighway, okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. 
It's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. Women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now, men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. In fact, we call it the nothing box. <laughs> and of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. <laughs> That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. <laughs> now, they've actually measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> You know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity, and then all of a sudden, he's dead! Huh? You know, women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box, and it drives them crazy! Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing! <laughs> okay, and so, <laughs> as you can see, God has created us, there's no doubt about it, different both men and women, and yet he has said that the two will become one. Now, obviously, this video clip, there, there are men and women who vary in their level of, sure. you know, intensity and the way that their brains work. But the world has really sold us a bill of goods in trying to convince us that we are no different from one another. I mean, there is that concept out there that says men and women, especially when they're children, you know, in the womb, they're exactly alike. But the truth is that God makes you male or female 
when, it is con when you are conceived. You are different from that moment. Just because the differences may not become visible in a certain series of circumstances doesn't mean they're not there. And we go into life believing that you think the way I do and you approach things the way I do, and it's totally wrong. And if we step back and realize the differences then we can appreciate them. Then we can say, okay, wait a minute, you're coming at this from a different, totally different perspective. But we've been sold this bill of goods that they think the way we do. They don't. Now, obviously, it's very humorous to look at that. Some people can get very offended. Women can get offended that we, you know, that, oh, we're not buzzing all the time like that. That's not how I am. Look at how they're portraying us. And men can get offended. I don't sit there brain dead all the time. But our brains work differently is the point. And you think differently about every situation. You're not thinking the same thing. If you turn to your, your spouse, your partner, and you say, are you thinking what I'm thinking? No, he's not. Because it's not the same brain. It's not the same brain. And again, let me draw this conclusion. If you'll just write this portion of Scripture down, John 12, John chapter 12, verses 20 through 25 in this, again, if you think it was difficult to translate between a family member, husband, wife, brother, sister, whatever it is, think about Christ trying to funnel information to his disciples. Okay, There are many instances in Scripture where you can just see that Jesus is trying to funnel this God concept into the little straw of their or funnel and, and and it's an elephant he's trying to get in there okay and the scripture that we're going to point out here is the one where uh the disciples are there and there's a bunch of uh, uh people uh, greeks that were hanging around and there were some of them that wanted to have a conversation with jesus so nathaniel and and one of the other disciples brings uh uh, goes and asks the question to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, there's some people out there and, and they've really wanted to, to get a chance to talk with you. And Jesus turns to them and totally doesn't say anything about their question. He, they say, someone wants to talk to you. He says, unless a kernel of wheat dies and falls to the ground, it doesn't bear any fruit. And he goes on to this long discourse and if you look, he never does answer them. So you're sitting there wondering, now, could you see the disciples at that point? I wonder if they went away and said, was that a yes or a no? <laughs> does he want to see him or does he not want to see him? So what my point is is this. You are going to have to have the Holy Spirit. I understand that there are ways that people work it and make it through, but I'm telling you, if you will ask the Holy Spirit. You say, well, it can't be that simple. He said in the Scripture, the Spirit will lead and guide you into all things. He'll take from what is mine and make it known to you. Who do you think knows the mind better of the person you're trying to communicate than God? He is the one that knows. If you're struggling to get a message across, maybe you ought to listen to how to deliver the message from the master translator and communicator. Yeah. Now, I love the 80s. Because 
Why? Because I was in the 80s, okay? And I know I'm dating myself. The 80s were a great time. Ronald Reagan was president. Enough said, okay? <laughs> but I, I was a big Reagan fan. And one of the things they called him was the great communicator. He's nothing compared to the Holy Spirit. I mean nothing because the Holy Spirit is God. He's able to translate for you. If you're having trouble communicating, ask of him and he will give to you. So this doesn't just go between um, spouses. I know I have a son. Obviously, Brian's talked about Spencer. And he is very much like his father, although I am in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and when he was young, I just thought, okay, he's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest. I would tell him things. I would say, you know, go get your dirty clothes, bring him downstairs and take this and do this. And he'd come out of his room and hadn't done anything. And I, okay, son, what? Aren't you supposed to be, what? Didn't I just give you instructions? And I would just, I, I felt like I was constantly, I called my mother up. I said, mother, his ears are not connected to his brain. There's something wrong. I say things to him and he, and he says, okay. And then he walks away and... Nothing. Nothing happens. And so I begin to go, okay, something's wrong with his brain. I truly did. I mean, I'm a mom. I'm thinking, what is wrong with this child? He's my firstborn. And so I took him in to get him tested and found out that there was something different about the way his brain worked, a way that my brain did not work. So when what to me looked like just disobedience or just stupid I figured out what it was. And as I began to realize, his brain works differently than my brain works. I could get in on the system. And what it was is that he's very strongly left brain. And when the guy that tested Spencer said to me, uh, let me tell you, don't tell me anything about your family. He said, let me tell you about your family. And he said, when Spencer was here testing, we asked one of the parents to bring them because we get to observe you as well, to which you go, oh, great. You know, what have I been sitting there doing? I've been in the waiting room. So uh, they said, uh, we can tell that Spencer's very left brain, but he did not get it from you. And it is a direct hereditary trait, so your husband must be such and such a way. And then they begin to say to me, tell me if this is true about your husband. And they begin to describe, when you are in the car with him, he always has to turn down the radio to have a conversation with you. <laughs> yes, it drives me crazy. I'm listening to a song, and I say to my husband, honey, what do you think about such and such? And he goes, what? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I begin to realize that his brain works totally different from mine. Spencer's brain works totally different from mine. And he gave me tools in a natural sense of just getting the clothes picked up and the laundry put away that helped me to communicate with my son. And it began to walk into the world of the spiritual realm of saying, God, when I have a concept that I just can't get a hold of, I can ask the Holy Spirit to take from you and make it known to me. I can go and say, God, spiritually, am I stupid? Am I going, I'm not getting this. And then the Holy Spirit, who knows how my brain works, 
can go, here, Jill, let me put it in a package you can see. And we had Michaela, who was, uh, when we were moving actually down here, she was very much having a hard time with it. She was having such a hard time with it, she was acting out emotionally. She was acting out, and when she was sleeping, that she was just overwhelmed. And I began to pray, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? How do I, you know, fix this? So this is child parent asking the Holy Spirit to be your interpreter. Well, she had this little plant that um, her prims teacher had given her. She loved her prims teacher, had given her this little plant. And in all the ruckus of resigning a church and moving and getting everything packed up, I had let that little plant die. I hadn't watered it. It was a little sweet pea. And she was heartbroken. And she when she says it's dead, I mean there was no life in it. It was dry. Yes. I, am, I do not have a green thumb. So she gets out of the car, and she looks at that plant, and she's crushed because her prims teacher gave her that plant, and it was just part of this whole letting go and having to give up everything she loved because we were leaving. And it just created all those emotions again. Yeah. And so then as we go along and we're trying to help her through, she gets out of the car one day, and she looks down at that plant, and wouldn't you know, Right at the end of that dead plant is a pea. A little pea. And pea green as can be. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord, this is it. This is what you're this is how you're gonna help her grab hold of this. So I said, you know what, Michaela? What looks like death? And you got fruit from it. So to you, this looks like you're dying. You're giving up your friends, you're giving up all these things. But you know what? God can make life out of death. And, we, and, and she began to tell her, this is a pattern of God. You, God's not asked you to do anything that he hasn't asked many other people to do. Get up and go. And so what was, what was uh, interesting is she began talking with Michaela about, you need to begin praying what it is that God's going to give you, what it is that the Lord is going to do. And she began focusing on those things, and she wanted uh, a, Christian teacher, a Christian teacher, friends. friends. I, can't I can't remember what the third one was, but I, I kid you not, I remember it like it was yesterday. She got off the bus, and she gra grabbed Jill's hand, and she's walking down our little uh, driveway. driveway there, gravel driveway, and she looks up at Jill, and she says, you know what, Mom? God gave me everything I prayed for. I have a Christian teacher. I have friends. And, I have, and she directly related it back to that P. And what we're saying is... That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's, the per, he's a person. He's God. You must listen and rely on Him. All right. So differences. Let's go on to the next thing that you need to... to, to understand to make your your headlight shine and that is this <laughs> in your brain your brain begins to have conversations <laughs> not to anyone else but in your brain you hear what I'm saying no one else hears sometimes that's a thank you <laughs> but but they're there okay <laughs> those conversations are there and Jill and I have learned to uh, a little acronym that we call MSU. 
Now, this is very important because at this, uh, we're going to look at this particular spot in the Scripture where it says, He will guide you, verse number 13, into all truth. The Holy Spirit is God and He only deals in truth. Only in truth. I will tell you that in our brains, unless we have help from the Holy Spirit, there's all kinds of things that aren't truth. And you need to not listen to those. MSU is what we call making stuff up. And our brains do it all the time. What do I mean? I come home from work. I'm tired. I have talked all day. The last thing on my mind is to have a conversation. I just want to sit and go into my nothing box. And I walk into my home, and the the truth is, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I come, I sit in the chair, and I get that look. What is it? It's the nothing box (laughs) for me. And my family says, well, what's wrong with Dad? Is he he upset? Is he mad about something? And if you aren't careful in your own family, you will have made up an entire story of why Dad or Mom or whoever it is, your in-laws, whoever it is, aren't talking to you. And you will make up half-truths, you will make up things that are not even close to truth, and you've not only played them in your head, the next time you talk to that individual, it comes out of your heart. And you wonder why there's communication issues. We have got to allow the Holy Spirit to shut down the half-truths that are going on in your head. Because MSU happens to all of us, and the only one that will allow us to deal in truth is God, the Holy Spirit. So the other side of his story is he comes home, he's tired, he sits down. So the kids go, okay. And they come over and they tell me about their day. So when I come home from work, the kids who have been home with Dad for two hours all of a sudden can't stop talking. Oh, did you know? And today we did this, and we went there, and I did that, and my teacher said this, and then my friend. And and Brian says to me, I've been here for two hours with them. They've said none of this stuff. So then he begins to MSU about why the kids aren't talking to him. And truth will come along and say, wait a minute. You went to your nothing box when you get home from work every day. The kids have learned that you're in your nothing box. So they don't come over and talk to you. That's truth. But you will begin to say, my kids don't love me. They love mom best. She's probably telling them that I don't care about these things. Blah, 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 blah. And on we go. And then it's a mom against dad situation. Instead of, let's give dad an hour. He has to decompress. And then we can tell him all of our stuff. We help each other when we realize, okay, dad needs about an hour to decompress. Let's 
you know, let's review at dinner. Let's engage him. Or, hey, did you hear so-and-so said? And I pass along the information. Now, the, through the Holy Spirit, we're learning we're different and we're going to work together. This, it, it seems like we're not trying to oversimplify, and yet I tell you, if we will just go to the Holy Spirit, it is that simple. Why we won't do it is really the mystery. Why we fight and fuss, and it's almost like we will go anywhere else other than God. And yet we remain frustrated. We remain wondering why it is that we can't get our message across to people that are our own bloodline or to people that we should have a relationship with. One of the greatest things you will find in allowing your witness to shine is to allow the Holy Spirit to cut off MSU. By the way, it doesn't just happen in homes. It happens in the church all the time. It happens in your workplace all the time. Let me give you an example. You have somebody that you just met, and uh, they're, they're just, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting familiar with North Lake Church, and you thought you really hit it off well last week. They come in. They have children. The children have just been in a rare form that Sunday. They couldn't get ready in time. They had a disagreement and a fuss with their spouse when they came in the door. And they come in the door and you're expecting to find the same person you did last week. And instead you get this very cold and immediately you start to think, I bet you they really didn't like me all that much. Well, I, I bet you, you know, I, 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 I can't believe I reached out to them and they haven't even, they haven't even reached out at all. Do you see how it can happen? Cut off MSU. How? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you into nothing but truth. Why? Because he only takes from truth, Jesus Christ, and makes it known to you. Okay, so I have the buzzing brain that always is going, anyhow, (laughs) And if I don't want to MSU, a good way that I've found to get around that is to let the brain create a story that makes it plausible for them to do what they're doing. Here's how it goes. Guy pulls out in front of you in traffic. Instead of going, that idiot, I can't believe he cut me off, he saw me coming, blah, 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 and you go down near MSU about what the guy did or didn't see, I would begin to do this. Oh, I bet that guy just found out that he, you know, bounced a check or something, and he's rushing down to the bank. My kids would look at me after a while, and they said, Mom, is that true? And I'd say, oh, no, I'm just making up a story that would make it okay for them to do that. You know, to make me be able to rationally think, oh, well, they laughed at me, but now I'll say, well, honey, you don't know. I mean, they could have had a really hard day. And I begin to fill in that MSU that makes it okay Because I know it's easy for me to fill in the MSU that doesn't make what they're doing okay. But I begin to try to build into it. If if I did that, maybe I had just had this happen. If I did that, maybe I was going through this. And the Bible says it this way, that love covers a multitude of sins. So when somebody does something unkind to you, rather than saying, well, how dare they, you might say, okay, because I love them, I'm going to say, 
you know, they must have really, you know, woke up and maybe they didn't sleep well. I know his back's been hurting. And, maybe, and I begin to cover the multitude of sins by, by that MSU being able to work for me by saying, what could be happening in that life? Maybe I can go minister to them. Maybe, you know, they need somebody to take their kids and they need a date night. Let me go do that. That is a perfect way to go into our third and final one, and that is mercy. In your communication, the fact is God's created us with differences. The fact is, yes, there are going to be times as a human being, no matter how perfect you are, that you catch yourself MSUing. It happens to everyone. When that happens, what is the best way of dealing with it? Mercy. I'm going to have Jill do it, uh, describe to you what is the difference between mercy and grace? Because this isn't grace, this is mercy. So uh, I told you that I would sometimes send my kids to bed early because the Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, and sometimes they've used them up before 8 o'clock. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) And the same is true with my own life. Sometimes I'll say, I'm going to bed. Why? Because the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, and I've used them up. I just feel like, you know, too much has gone on. And so I need new mercy. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. Mercy is, is it grace that's the you, I can't ever say this right. Yeah, grace is is unearned grace. Uh, unmerited favor yes and then mercy is you deserve something but you don't get it and that's a good thing because sometimes you deserve a punch in the mouth sometimes you deserve a swat on the rump sometimes you deserve to be walked away from sometimes you deserve to not be treated in a loving manner but when you're merciful you go ahead and act loving you go ahead and let that happen again. You go ahead and give one more time. So it's a good thing to recall to mind that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. So God, when I wake up, let me have a new mercy for this family member and not give them what they deserve, but give them what you would have me give them. Give them love, encouragement, kindness, gentleness. The scripture that we uh, have looked at where it says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. How do you forgive one another? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How is it that I will have mercy? How is it that, that really I can extend someone who's deserving punishment and I say, no, no, no. How is it? Because I recognize how many times God's given it to me. And I will tell you, when you feel yourself becoming all all judgmental and all ready to punish the wicked immediately, think about how many times God has given you mercy. We have a tendency to demand justice from others. But boy, we want to receive mercy when it's on our end. We need to extend mercy. If you do not learn to extend mercy and communicate mercy, 
you will shut down communication in any relationship you have. And when that happens, your witness becomes skewed. You can't see the light. So the verse that says God, that God's mercies are new every morning, and in the NASB it's loving kindness and compassion, is in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. But I know you guys have heard us talk about, uh, Brian has specifically brought up the, the verse that says, um, Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And... It really draws the point that we often love justice in this country above no other. It's all about justice, getting justice, our rights. This is my right to do. And it says to seek justice but love mercy. Like if you had the opportunity to do justice or to do mercy, you would say, oh, let me do mercy. I love that. And that's not often in our family situations what we do. We say, well, they deserve that. Yes, they do deserve that. But you deserved a lot of things that God didn't give you. And so we can say, I can apply mercy here, and I love mercy. I love mercy. Yeah. And it goes a long way. Yeah, and truly, I've never been humbled or pulled short uh, uh, as hard as when the Lord dealt with me on this scripture. And it was in regards, I believe, to my children. And the Lord said, I, I read the scripture. I read it four, five. The Holy Spirit kept saying, read it again. Read it again. I finally, after I don't know how many times, said, God, I am obviously not getting this. And he stopped me and he says, you love justice, but you'll do mercy. He said, I've asked you to do justly and to love mercy. I had, he, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have twisted those, son. You love justice. And trying to make you to do mercy is like trying to pull it out of a turnip. And he says, you need to switch it. You need to love mercy and do justly. It, it is totally uh, challenged and changed how I approach things. You know, when we're going through a, a series like this, it, God always wants to teach it to us again in our home and in our lives with one another. And so we've been going through some of this where we've had to apply mercy and such. So yesterday we are getting ready to go to a birthday party, and we forget it totally. Blow it off like none of us remembered it, all four of us. So we get a text that says, hey, are you going to come to the birthday party? And immediately we just like, ugh. What and now? What are we gonna do? Then we start to kind of go. They're gonna be mad at us. What? They're gonna be upset. They're gonna be offended. Whatever it might be, your head starts spinning. What are we gonna do? We we can't. We've already missed it. What in the world? And then we say, Oh well, we'll kind of make up for it tomorrow. I guess we'll figure it out. I don't know what we could have done next time. We need to you know make a plan for. And the whole time we're just kind of fr flustered and flustered about what. You know, what we're going to do about this. Because especially as pastors, people take what you do or don't do very seriously. If you don't show up to something, sometimes they can become very offended. And you just forgot. But they'll become offended. 
So then we get this little text that says, party's over, but if you'd like to come to, for coffee, mercy. <laughs> That's mercy. We deserved for them to go, well, next time we're not inviting that family. Who invited that That's kid? That's right. <laughs> Bed sheets, who invited that kid? But instead, we got mercy. Why don't you, it's quieted down, why don't you guys come for coffee? And we went over and spent a great evening under the mercy of our friends. They expressed mercy to us. So next time somebody doesn't show up to your party, maybe they were just forgetful. And you extend mercy. So it acts out in a very natural way in very little things in your life all the time where you realize somebody just gave you mercy or you realize I can apply mercy here or kindness when they really don't deserve it. All right. So let's, what do we do? Here's some questions I want to ask. Are you here this morning and really you're beginning the Holy Spirit to show you not just maybe with husband and wife, but maybe not just with family members. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone you haven't talked to for a long time. And the Lord is speaking to you and saying, you know what? You know those differences you thought were so bad? I created that person too. And I created them just the way they are. And uh, maybe the Lord is wanting you to realize that differences sometimes, if you will allow the Holy Spirit, can be used for great strength. It's one of the strengths of our country as a nation. Then maybe you're here and maybe you'd say, you know what? I know the Lord is, the Holy Spirit's nailing my hide to the barn on MSU. I've done it to my children. I've done it to my spouse. I do it to my co-workers. I do it to the people in the grocery store. And God needs to help me because that part of my brain that talks to me all the time is not dealing in truth. Maybe you're here and you need to say, you know what? The fact is God's given me so many times what I don't deserve. I need to give someone else that same mercy that I've received. Whatever it is, I'm going to ask that you bow your head and